Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. So thank you so much for joining us. And I got an email uh, this morning saying that we have officially hit 10,000 downloads total for the Scott Stedman Podcast. So to all of you listeners, thank you so much for listening. I definitely appreciate it. And especially that's quite a milestone because I had to switch podcast servers, I think sometime last year. So the fact that this was a new server that had everything was down to zero and within a year, we've already hit 10,000 downloads. I think that's great. And I owe all that success to my co-host, Micah Current. Micah, how do you feel about me saying that? Uh, Humbled. Um, And also from our guest speaker today, Trey Oldham. Hey, Trey, how are you? How's it going, man? Trey's only done one other episode. I think I've done every other episode except for last week's. But Trey just brings that presence that just okay. says, man, I want to listen to Scott's <laughs> podcast. Actually, we were... for one second, I want to listen to it to count to the 10,000 We were actually like up to only up to like 1,500, 1,600 episodes downloaded. And then when Trey came on, it went up to like oh, yeah. 9,000. Right. Uh, yeah. So I almost have um, to check. I, I almost have to check the stats again because it was very low. So I was surprised it got that email. So I want to know if there's like another episode, like our church communication episode that like mm-hmm. got like over 4,000 downloads and plays like it was there another one maybe maybe it was the uh church of god affirm part one and part two that really boosted our <laughs> numbers yeah i <laughs> glad to be back i think it's um it's great that we're getting 10,000 we've hit 10,000 and um wow what a milestone um, we're almost up to 200 episodes too right yeah, we're going to hit 200 episodes pretty soon. We're we're in the 180s now, so we'll be pretty soon. We'll be hitting the uh, two, uh, 200. Two almost at 2,000 episodes. Like, oh dear lord, <laughs> 200 episodes. The year was the year was 2047. <laughs> right. Oh wow, Captain's log. If I'm still doing podcasts in the year 2047, then man. That's going to be great. So anyway, uh, Stories Gone Wild. Trey, since you have, this would be your second Stories Gone Wild. Do you have one for us? Oh, my goodness. Uh, No, not off the top of my head. (laughs) You've got plenty of stories in all the phone conversations that we've had. Oh, yeah. I've had a lot of of them, but uh, not all of them are podcast rated. So um, (laughs) some of them (laughs) get back to the people that I'm offending. Um, So I got to be careful about that. Oh goodness! Oh wow! So um, I'll I'll share one. So uh, before we started, we we had a conversation before we uh, recorded about uh, fake plants in churches and why someone thought that was a good idea. Well, it was one of the churches I was working at. I was just new, just got hired onto this church, and there is a special meeting going on with the worship team, who not only worried about the worship, what was being sung, and all the different, but talked about decorations and everything else in the church for holidays. And they decided to not do the poinsettias anymore and just buy fake poinsettias instead of doing real ones, which I'm like at Christmas, you mean at Christmas? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, in some ways it's like, well, they're there for a day or a couple of days and then they're gone. So, you know, and I was still new and, I didn't really think anything about it. So I wasn't going to be like, yeah, that's a bad idea. But the thing that I think got me is not only how bad they looked, but if you, and I don't know, but a lot of times, like anytime when you do, depending on the size of your church, which this is a smaller church, like usually you pay 
for the poinsettia that you buy because you're doing it in memory of someone. And then at the end, you get to take it home and it's like yours to keep. So you're basically buying the poinsettia. It's up there. Church takes care of it. And then you can take it home. The weird thing was, is even though it was all fake and they reused them, they were still asking people to pay money to buy poinsettias for Mm. poinsettias that they couldn't take home because they were owned by the church and they were fake and they were reusing them. And not even drop the price. Like, oh, you need $5 for a, you know, just to cover paper and ink for the bulletins. Like, no, nothing. And I'm like, are we, are we ripping off church people because we're not, we just bought fake poinsettias or what? Now the people who do it, it's like they paid money and now they just have to reimburse because apparently the fake ones cost more than the real ones. Like, I don't know. What is this the strangest, strangest business model I think I've ever seen? <laughs> What about you, Michael? <laughs> Your story got wild. <laughs> well, I had I have one, but like I, I feel like since we're on the the topic of plants, uh, before we started recording, I shared, uh, you know, this that my uncle pastored a church years ago. He's retired now, but um, one of the first worship teams I ever played on before I was like a main worship leader, worship pastor. Um, there were fake trees. Like you walk in this church, right? There's fake trees in the lobby. There's fake trees uh, downstairs next to the bathrooms. There's fake trees on the stage. So um, Mark is a guy who played bass and I played guitar and his dad was the worship leader and played piano. And so we would have practice on Saturday. And for whatever reason, Mark was like, what's, what's the deal with these trees? It's like a jungle in here. What's what's the deal? Like, why are there trees in the sanctuary of the church? And then we got into the whole conversation about, you know, why? Why do churches have certain color carpets and why do churches have fake plants? And um, the the topic came up, like, what if we moved them? Or the thought came up, what if we moved them? And so uh, each week, Mark and I moved them a little bit, right? So like moved them on the stage to see if anybody would say anything. Then we moved them to the back of the sanctuary to see if anybody would say anything. Then we moved them to the narthex. And so... Uh, every week we would come in though, and they would be back on the stage. Like somebody was insistent that those be on the stage of the sanctuary in the church. So um, I also shared with you all before we start recording that like the the church had a parsonage, which was right next door to the church, which um, my uncle and his wife, my aunt, had their own property, their own house. So they didn't use the parsonage as their own home. They uh, The church rented it out, subleased it, and um, used that as extra income for the church. So there was a garage that was not attached to the house, Parsonage house. And um, Mark and I was like, well, we'll just put it in the garage. Surely they'll never find it in the garage. So a couple months go by. And then one Sunday we walk in and sure enough, they've returned. They've, re- <laughs> they've made their way back to, um, to the sanctuary. And we're, we're just, we just thought that was hysterical. Like what is the deal with fake plants in, in churches? And so um kind of wrap that up like scott your point about poinsettias and lilies and stuff like that i played at church um on easter this year and the church still does there are some churches that still very much do lilies still very much mm-hmm. do poinsettias like easter and and christmas and i play drums for that service and i'm like man like my allergies were killing me and i don't think that they and they didn't have the air conditioning on or anything and trey you're from the south so you know you need air conditioning anyway and so like <laughs> i can't imagine how hot how hot it would be and how uh, potent those things would be. People were passing out and they're wondering why. Well, you've got lilies everywhere and people have seasonal allergies. Um, 
but yeah, I don't, I just don't know what the deal is with fake plants and churches. Does do, do either of you know like what the what the dealio is? Because like, well, at one time, I, I do remember like in one of the churches my dad pastored when I was really really young, they did flowers every week and they were real. Mm-hmm. So there was a local flower shop with you know in town and somebody would donate money to make that happen. And um, I remember picking up the flowers and they would put them on the communion table uh, before church every week and. Um, it got to be really expensive. So eventually they stopped. So maybe that's why that, you know, a lot of churches adopted that model with fake plants. I, I think, I, yeah, I think it's costs. And in, in, in the last church I passed it at, they always had like flowers on the front and they, and it was their plastic. And it was one of the things that they always would do is like, for example, like springtime, they would take the bulbs off because they would just pop them off and put like spring colors on it. Then when it became the fourth red, white, and blue, and then it became Christmas. You know, they always would change it up, which I guess in some ways it kind of it's it's very easy. And and the the fact of the matter is is that you could also store them, and you don't have to worry about. I mean, if I guess if you the church that had all the trees in there, I guess if they were just live trees and potted plants, eventually the leaves would fall off, right? Someone would have to be responsible for the water and make sure they didn't die because you want to walk through a church and see dead trees. You'd probably be like, oh, is this a sign for what the culture of this church is like? <laughs> well, and not to like, not that my dad's going to listen to this. He's not going to be your 10,001 download. Um, <laughs> but he, he, had me come to his church um it'll be two years ago in october and i did like a live stream and uh, a sound install for their church mm-hmm. not a live stream install but uh, they bought new sound equipment and he asked if i would come and um install their new sound gear and so i'm not kidding you guys uh i was looking for like an extension cord or something uh related to the sound install and my wife's downstairs in the church and there's a room and my wife's like, you've got to see this room. And I was like, oh no, what is it? There's a room dedicated to fake plants and decorations yep. for the stage in the sanctuary. And I'll send you a picture. I'll send you guys a picture. My wife has pictures. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, but it's we like shed. we have a shed with all that stuff here in our church. Uh, no. See, no. and that's the room, and that's the room. Like if you do a jungle theme BBS, the kids that are not behaving go, okay, go find the tiger. You shove them in that room. And they're just <laughs> stuck in there wandering through the jungle until they find the tiger that's not there. Find a tiger yet? Oh, still stay in that room, kid. Yeah. So it, yeah, it that's took me about a two two or three months to get rid of the two ficus plastic ficus trees on the stage here at this church when I got here. And I still, finally, it took five years before I was allowed to get rid of them. But they didn't want to see them thrown in the trash can. And I was like, what do you mean? So that I had to put them on Facebook mess, uh, Marketplace. And I sold them for like five bucks. So just weird yeah. stuff, man. Yeah. I yeah. Totally get it. So yes. that was my story's gone wild. So what are we talking about today, Scott? Because so, I can talk uh, about church uh, idiosyncrasies all day. Oh my! Well, we may start more of that. But anyway. So a couple of weeks ago, the Church of God has been on a uh, had their uh, general assembly, which general assembly is the big meeting where all pastors from all over the world, from the Church of God, come together to have a time of worship, have a time of relationship building, and also have a time to make any changes to the overall governance of the church uh, nationally. 
So, um, Micah, you were um, you were watching digitally the General Assembly digitally, and Trey, mm-hmm. you were actually in Tampa. So yes. we're just going to kind of talk a little bit about just kind of your guys' experience and kind of, um, especially for, you know, I know Micah and I, we've talked a lot about, you know, I think our last episode or two episodes ago, because we did a throwback episode last week. Uh, but we, you, Micah, you kind of talked about, you know, if it's if people aren't going, is it because of cost? And especially now with live stream and everything else, like doesn't even make sense to book a book blocks in a very fancy hotel and have a big ballroom and spend all that money to have a general assembly if not many people are are coming because at least it seemed like for me on the outside it just seemed like they were heavily pushing it towards the last couple months mm-hmm. still time to sign up still come to ga and even during the um response to church of god affirm that jim lyons and uh, josh brant did like even jim lyons as he's discussing that topic he's still talking about well I can't make any decisions. Decisions are GA. So if you want to help make decisions, you got to come to GA. So it's almost like a, like a hidden like promotion for GA within that uh within that like little uh Facebook live video. So so Trey, since you were there, what was kind of your experience uh walking into GA at Tampa and um kind of the overall mood or the culture of that event? Um, I think there were some mixed moods in the in in the room, uh, but I think in large part everyone was aware of the Chaga Firm conversations, and mm-hmm. I think everyone was a little on edge that it was going to rear up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, I felt like, especially once we started getting into the business of the GA, I, I felt like that that argumentative spirit uh, didn't leave. And so, mm-hmm. uh, so almost every almost every motion that came before there were, there were people who stood up and definitely had something to say about it. And that's not always the case. Uh, I know typically in a a standard general assembly, we may have three or four motions on the table. We had 10 this year. Uh, So Mm. it was, it was a big deal. Um, And, and I just think, I think that kind of led to a little more frustration for a lot of people than what was necessary uh, because Chaga Firm didn't show up at all. Uh, there was nothing about that that showed up and, and was talked about, at least in assemblies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that it was talked about at almost every dinner table, but uh, but not open out loud in the assemblies. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And um, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes when it comes to people coming in with an argumentative spirit, I feel like it's almost like... Um, and maybe you maybe you might see this in your own churches where a lot of times when you have a business meeting in churches and you're setting motions for things, it seems like no one's saying anything. Mm-hmm. No one's saying anything. But then there could be one topic where someone may have one little thing and then it just opens up the pathways um, as far as and it could just be anything. And usually I think a lot of time in local churches it usually has to revolve somewhere around finances, whether it's a new building project or whether uh, staff cuts or whatever the case may be, then that's when you start to see more of the thing. But if it's like, Hey, we're going to change this bylaw. Okay. Like, and sometimes mm-hmm. you don't really know like, Oh, that bylaw really probably was one that you probably shouldn't have approved of because now you just, allowed certain things to happen or you just basically took away the congregational right to vote for things in it's like now it's all part of the elders that have to do it so 
depending on who your elders are, depends on what's getting through. And you just sit there and kind of watch the uh, either the ship rise or the ship sink, depending on what the thing is. <laughs> Michael, what was your experience of viewing it online from from all the general assemblies? Yeah, so um, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago about like the price and Trey. I don't, you know, you don't have to tell me how much. Did your wife went with you? Right? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Was your kids? It was just your wife. Uh, kids stayed home. Okay, so like I did some quick math um, on what it would be, you know, what it would cost for me to get there. Um, you know, you're looking at four hundred dollars for a plane ticket from Cincy or Dayton to Tampa. You're looking at two hundred dollars for registration. You're looking at one hundred and thirty-five dollars a night in a Hampton Inn hotel. Um, and when I did that math, I wasn't including like rental car or uh, Uber or whatever I would to get to the convention center and then food. And, and before that Trey, it was like 14 or $1,500 for me to go. Um, yeah. And if my wife would have went with me, that's like $3,000. I'm like, we just cannot not, I mean, we could afford it. It's just, I, I don't see the, it sounds terrible to me to say, but it just doesn't sound um, like a good idea or a good investment for me to spend three days in Tampa for $3,000. If I'm going to spend three thousand dollars, I'm going to London. If I'm going to spend three thousand dollars, I'm going to go to Ireland or to Australia or something like that. Um, and that sounds selfish of me, but I was just blown away by the price. So anyway, um, for the listeners, I I attended virtually because you could um, pay thirty dollars, <laughs> thirty dollars, and attend the general assembly. So basically, I think Trey, there was what three sessions. Uh, yes. th- Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and they were two and a half hours each. And um, from my perspective, it was uh, it was funny because I was texting you, Trey, because I saw when they were some of the, some of the folks were asking questions. I actually saw you on one of the camera shots, yeah. and I texted you. I'm like, "Hey, I see you." Um, stop picking your nose. Yeah, yeah. This- stop picking your nose. <laughs> yep. Stop picking your nose and texting at the same time during a business meeting. <laughs> um, but my perspective was. You know, a couple things I noticed, right? So this year, somebody told me, I don't know if it was you, uh, Trey, or if it was like Jeanette or somebody else I've had conversations with about the convention, but the the services nightly were not streamed. Mm. And so it was literally, my admission got me to the GA meeting and that was it. Um, another thing I noticed, Scott, and I don't know if I shared this with you, mm. but was, uh, there were, you know, the section of the meeting tray where, you know, if you wanted to go up and say something about one of the issues that were being presented or one of the, one of the things is that we're going to be changed within the structure of our, you know, I guess our constitution, if you want to call it that bylaws, church structure, whatever. Um, I don't think that there was a way for me as the person watching online to ask a question as a pastor attending virtually uh there actually was or was there because i didn't know about it if there was yeah and actually when you were sitting there it felt like uh those who were able to get their messages in took priority over oh, those that were sitting really there. yeah because I, I felt the opposite because i was like i'm hey Right, right. Yeah, no, as soon as a message came in, uh, uh, there was a couple of different people who were monitoring that. Okay. And they went straight to the microphone and they were able to jump ahead of anyone that was standing in line to talk at the microphone. Interesting. So they got they got first bill. But it doesn't feel like it didn't feel like it was said over the over the on the stream. It didn't. Yeah, like, I don't know if it was or not. Um, they did. Well, I didn't realize that you could do that one. And then two, uh, 
if it was, if, you know, like you're saying, well, you were there, so I'm not saying you're a liar or anything, but like you, you, you were there. So like my, my thought is like, they didn't really address it on the stream. If that's, if you know what I mean? Like if, if Scott had a question and he asked online, you know, what is the church's stance on foot washing? They didn't address that. And I said it that angrily too. (laughs) (laughs) They, they didn't, they didn't say it on, on the stream, uh, Trey, they, they just said, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that. It was just like, all I saw on the stream from the stream's perspective was Trey got up to the microphone and asked a question Yeah. or Scott got up to the microphone and asked a question. Yeah. So, well, and and to your credit, in 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 believing that and seeing that uh, first day, there wasn't a single question from online, so there may not have been anything there. Okay. Uh, second day, there were only like two comments uh, that Ben stood up and shared, but the third day, there were a ton. Okay. So, so yeah, maybe they solved that as they went along. Okay. Yeah, I blows me away that we're we're into this. How many years and people still struggle with this? this yeah. technology and, and doing things virtually. And, mm-hmm. um, but, but from my perspective, uh, man, it, I didn't attend the third day. Cause honestly, I forgot about it. And I was just like, by the second day, I'd had enough to be honest with you. Like, I just thought that there was a little bit of, um, tension tray, as you were saying, and it, it just was making me uncomfortable as a viewer <laughs> watching online. And, and for somebody who wasn't in the room and really couldn't say anything and didn't feel like they had a voice, not in an anger, you know, I wasn't angry about that, but like I chose to stay home. I chose to be here. I had to work and do other things. Um, but it was, you know, you could probably speak about, you know, I was texting you about it, but, uh, towards the end of day two, there was a little bit more tension in the room. And then, like, obviously, like you said, for day three, it, it, it really ramped up. So what was your experience like in the room um, for the GA portions? Because I've heard nothing but good things about worship and, and the actual main sessions and the speakers and things like that. Yeah, I mean, the worship stuff was was phenomenal. Um, I really enjoyed those those five services that we got to do that. Uh, the breakout sessions were really good. I thought they had some great options this year, um, just learning about different ministries and missions within the Church of God. Uh, in the GA, though, it uh, I think everybody kind of took a sigh of relief in the first day when they look at the agenda and they're like, okay, thank God we're not going to deal with any heavy, anything heavily controversial. Um and in that first day, there there was only one motion, and, and you kind of mentioned this, Scott, earlier. You know, when you go into the business meetings, uh, they'll throw out stuff that may be incredibly significant, but because it's not controversial, nobody ever says anything. And so mm-hmm. the First Amendment that they proposed was actually some verbiage change to our bylaws. Um, non, they were non-transformative. Um, it was actually just bending it to what we're already doing. They had not been updated since we moved to a biennial uh, GA instead of an annual mm. GA. And so there's nothing significant that was in there, but no one spoke up. So then on the second day, when uh, all of a sudden we start getting these motions uh, that have been put forth by the Joint Equity Task Force, which is a, a task force that was set up mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years ago while we were in Denver to kind of identify, our, our, do we have blind spots, especially in our credentialing process? Um, where minorities, females uh, don't have equal, you know, billing, don't have equal uh, say in their processes. And it was funny because we were honestly and truly, we were probably at a 90 to 95% passage rate on each of those motions until they asked us to put money to it. And then all Mm. of a sudden everybody was like, oh, you, 
You mean you want it to go from orthodoxy to orthopraxy? No, I'm not doing that. Um, and sorry, that's big words. Uh, orthodoxy, the, the standard by which we say things we believe and the orthopraxy, the standard by which we practice what we believe. Mm. Um, so they, and that's been kind of a constant in years past. We'll, we'll make these grand statements like, Hey, we believe that women should have equal building in ministry. Oh, you want to hire a woman? Sorry, we don't do that. You know, and, and, and they don't say, we don't practice what we preach. Correct. And so, uh, so, you know, the first, the first four motions that the, the joint equity task force put out there were just kind of the, we believe statements. Um, and then, and then the last two that they put out was one was to give some money, uh, basically to offset cost if a, if a state or regional meeting, uh, wants to have these open dialogues, um, we'll, we'll kind of fund that meeting or at least give them some money to offset the cost of that. And so it was like $24,000 a year, or maybe that was every two years. I don't even remember. It was insignificant when you're looking at a $22 million budget, um, but then, but then the next one was to actually hire a person that will that will oversee and will champion and be the the processor of these things that we've done, and and that's where we went from ninety to ninety five percent votes on all of the the we believe statements to when it's ready to do something and put our money where our mouth is, we drop down to about fifty five percent. That's mm-hmm. and that's discouraging because at Ohio GA this past fall the um. Justice and Equity Task Force is there, and they're talking a little bit about some of their findings. Like, I think it's just all the voting that you, all the pastors who could like do the survey just kind of was closing or was closing the next couple of weeks because mm-hmm. they even said like, hey, make sure you go and fill this out if you haven't already. And the one thing that Dan Turner said, he said, you know, there's been times where we, people have done these things before. And then they get written up in a book and it gets put in the archives. And then that's it. Like no change ever happens. And, you know, they're hoping that this time there would be some significant change. And I feel like what you just said, it's like, okay, here's how we can start making some significant change. Here's how some things we can do, but it's going to have a cost to it. And it's like, nope, nope, sorry. So it's like, great. Thank you. We we got this team together. They did all this time and research to find out that, hey, we're not consistent with what we say we believe. And here's some steps that we can kind of what we can do about it to fix it. And they're like, yeah, no, we're good. Right. We're good. And it's right. like, and and people, you know, it's like the same thing. Like, you know, when you look at any church denomination, like wh- why is it that sometimes you get hung up on yourselves? It's like, well, sometimes it's stuff like that. It's just stuff like that where we say, yeah, we believe in women in ministry. We believe that, you know, we believe all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, when there's a chance to do anything about it, no, nah, we're good. We don't want to spend any. We don't want to give any money to this. Yeah, and and the Joint Equity Task Force, man, they they had some great information. Um, you know, and it's it's. I think one of the things that gets difficult about that is when we decide that we need a task force like this to do that research. Um, we're obviously not going to grab the polarizing figures to put on that task force, but when we only grab our centrist our polarizers don't feel engaged at all. And so we, we do a great job of getting good results, but we haven't helped change anyone's mind on things. Um, and so, you know, I, like um, to me, I, maybe this is pride. Maybe I shouldn't have this, but uh, when Dan and um, I can't remember who his, his co-chair was during this time frame, 
but uh, she was an amazing pastoral woman. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, they, when they stood and talked about all of these things, uh, they found out while while the Church of God Reformation movement is like 20th to 25th in size of denominations in the United States, and we did use that term multiple times. Um, I thought was hysterical. Yes, right. Because how do you talk about it in a in a denominational stand standpoint without yeah. using that term? And Jim, um, and Jim even did during the photographer on Facebook Live. Thing. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. So, uh, so we while we're between twenty and twenty fifth largest in the United States or North America in our our size of churches and attenders, we are either third or fourth most diverse in North America as far as uh, uh, racial uh, inclusivity and gender inclusivity. Uh, mm. We are only, I mean, when you think about that, that that's actually a huge statement that we are, we are living out, but it doesn't mean we're living it out well at all times. And so I think that's what we kept coming back to was uh, the the equity task force. They called themselves the JET because Joint mm-hmm. and Equity Task. But uh, when when they came down to it, they said, you know, this is something that we really should be proud of. But in the same respect, we should also be aware that. And I don't, I don't remember the exact numbers on the stats, but like I think it was like twenty two percent of all of the women who have gone through. Uh, ministry and credentialing in the process that answered the question said at some point in time, they felt like they were judged differently because of their gender. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of the statement in that was, wouldn't it be nice if every church, when considering a pastor, wouldn't just throw a woman's resume in the trash can thinking, well, that's not going to happen. Could they at least yeah. get to an interview, you know, um, and and so even just kind of that starting point of going, let's let's at least consider if a woman puts her name in there, let's let's at least talk to her because we don't we don't know what that might be, but we are so heavily influenced now. Um, it's amazing how our Wesleyan Wesleyan theology has been influenced by our Calvinist brothers and sisters um, who who just believe women in ministry should not exist, uh, mm-hmm. especially here in the South. I mean that's that's just a big deal. Um, what was the other you said it was, you know, you, you get to the point where it was voting on stuff like that until they realized how much it costs. Wasn't there another thing that was going to cost like a significant amount of money where people got really upset about it, where you could tell that there was a lot of tension? Yeah, and what was it? I forgot what it was. Uh, so um, there was there was the 24000 to help stipend region. Yeah. And then yeah, there was $150,000 for a position um, and all the support that was necessary for that position to actually hire someone at uh, at the national level to be over the results of the Joint Equity Task Force. Is that what you're talking about, Micah? I think so. And I think Nathaniel Lyon, who's Jim Lyon's son, got up mm-hmm. and said, you know, we're incredibly understaffed as a national office. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking, but like it's it's. Uh, you know, we don't know because there's not, they're not super transparent about who does what, right? At least to my knowledge, you worked in that office years ago. Yeah. Um, did you feel understaffed, overstaffed at that time or? Always felt understaffed. Um, okay. Well, let me, let me rephrase that. All right. So when I worked there, um, I started there a year after the consolidation. There were six organizations. There were, uh, there was our, 
uh, missions board. There was our national board. There were, there were six different offices that were pulled together to make church of God ministries in that process. The frustration that we felt in the office was that there were a lot of people that were in the national office because they had paid their dues either in the mission field or as a long-term pastor or, or something like that. I mean, one of my bosses, I, I went, when I worked the national office, uh, my, my job before going into ministry was I was a banker and a stockbroker. And so when I got hired on at the national office as a seminary student, I was hired on into the accounting department. Um, my boss of the whole division I was in was a 35 year worship pastor. Now that doesn't negate his ability to work with numbers, but I didn't know any other stats that helped to prove that, that he was good at that job. And that was kind of the feeling across the board was people went to the national office when they paid their dues in the congregations. Um, I do feel like today we actually have professional people that have trained in their, their departments to be over things. Um, so I think we have made, pretty great improvements in that, but that would, that would lead to the feeling of being understaffed because I think most people are underutilized. Um, I mm. hope being better utilized today. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, but what were some other like contentious feelings or whatever in the room? And, you know, like what were, um, what was the feeling following those meetings? Like when people walked out, you said something, I think before we started recording, like that there was a little bit of like, I don't, don't want to say anxiety is the right word for it, but uh, people, you know, just weren't settled. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, the funny thing is I told my wife before we even left to go down there, I was like, I am so over the angst of, mm-hmm. of thinking about what might happen at General Assembly. I said, if I go in there the first day and it is nothing but irritable people being irritated at each other. I said, I probably won't go back to general assembly. Mm. I'll just forego. I'll just forego that, that voting privilege um, and just agree that whatever everybody else agrees with will be fine. But um, at day one, that wasn't a big deal. Day two was a lot more contentious. Day three, there was actually something that was on the agenda that I felt I needed to speak to. So that meant I had to go all three days. <laughs> so, what was the third day? Uh, the third day was... Um, Jesus rose. That's right. <laughs> there was hope. I um, dispute that. I'm getting on the mic. <laughs> right. I have a question. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so the, the first motion was the one that was... The, there were three motions that came through on the third day. The first one had to do with leadership focus, which I'm a, I'm a coach for. Mm-hmm. Um the, the then there was the actual vote on the budget, and then there was this tenth motion that had to do with my best understanding was sensitivity to where we have our meetings or plan our meetings uh, based on um, safety levels and uh, agreement. We can go into that when we get to that one. But the 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 motion eight, which was on leadership focus, was the one that that I felt like I really needed to be there for. Um, that the the motion was get, making leadership foc- focus optional for those who had seminary degrees. Um, I yeah. felt like the the language was a little vague because it didn't necessarily denote that it was a Church of God seminary. Um, yeah. And you know, Micah, you can attest to this in leadership focus, especially 
in the, the place where we've coached, where we write our women in ministry paper, we write our unity paper, church membership and church leadership. Those ordinances are, in the church of God. Yeah, those are those are really big things to the church of God. Um, and when we have people that have graduated from a Calvinist theology um, in a Calvinist seminary, uh, they see those very, very differently than we do. And to just not require that of someone who's going to be part of us uh, to be able to live that out, I felt was, I thought it was bypassing something. And so I felt like I needed to speak against mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. or at least to ask some clarity, make sure, you know, when I was going through my process, leadership focus would have been a dream for me because I started my process in Louisiana where I live now, moved to Indiana where I was going to seminary. And in the process, they wanted to move my credentialing process. Well, Indiana and Louisiana didn't do things the same way. And so Indiana was asking me to start from scratch, mm-hmm. uh, throw away my 12 theological statements and mm-hmm. start start over brand new to which Louisiana said, oh, time out. We're not doing that. Uh, and they kind of fought for me on that one uh, as to where at some point in time, while I was still in seminary, my credentials got approved for ordination and then transferred to Indiana. So I would have loved for a process that would have been consistent and uh, identical. Uh, and so that was that was something that was really big for me. And then um, so I, I didn't want to see leadership focus made completely optional. Now, one of the options that was in this motion was to work with leadership focus to create like a one year plan for those people who have graduated from seminary. And I've seen things like that work before. Uh, In fact, Colorado, I believe when I was in seminary, had a a three-stage process for ordination. If you came in off the street and you wanted to be Church of God ordained, it was a three-year process. If you had gone to one of our universities and got a Christian ministries degree of some brand, that would shorten it to a two-year. If you'd gone to a seminary of the Church of God, which there's only one, the School of Theology in Anderson, um, that shrunk it down to a one-year process. And and I think that is something I could stand up for, but just saying, let's don't do it, was not something that I could personally support. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one of the... The struggles that I see, well, two. One, one is the in in the macro, right, in reference to general assembly, and you know, it, they vote on things, and these things happen every couple of years. These meetings, and yes, they send information out. Yes, they talk about it, but like, it's hard to really navigate that if you really you're really opposed to an issue, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if we come together every other year and we get together, and you know. People were there just to vote and they really, you know, they're going to vote yes, for example. Let's just say they vote yes. And I'm kind of on the fence about it. 99 to 1, I'm going to lose that vote. So, like, why why even stand up and make a decision or not a decision, make a statement about those things? Yeah. The other piece of it is, too, is that, you know, something that I, I, I've been wrestling with since this this whole talk of firm thing has happened um, is, you know, when, when Jim and Josh got up and not got up, they got on the Facebook Live and they did the whole thing. They, you know, they basically said that, you know, some of those issues, we're going to kick it back to the states to decide. Yeah. And so dependent upon where you are and dependent on dependent on how um, 
progressive or non-progressive your state is and dependent upon how far along your state is with, you know, leadership focus, for example, or how they do their credentialing in their states. Like uh, no offense to the South, I was born in Mississippi, but like some churches or some churches, some states may struggle with, with, you know, even adopting a thing like leadership focus. Yeah. Uh, some states may not churches, but states. Um, so it's like, I feel like we're voting on things and having these conversations and the cart's getting ahead of the horse a little bit. And so I don't want to drag my feet on things, but at the same time, there's no real. Yeah. Right. There's no real. So so the way that that motion ended up and, and the thing was was people read it different ways. So the motion actually said that we believe that the credentials committees know their candidates better than leadership focus does, which fine. You can believe that. That's great. I don't Uh, believe that because I felt like it was the opposite. With my with my experience, I understand, but that was that was the contention. So mm-hmm. so they were like, so if a if an exceptional candidate comes along, they wanted kind of an option to either put them through a plan that was worked out with leadership focus for the already seminary educated track, or we could just disregard leadership altogether, leadership focus altogether, and just ordain them as is. And it was that second or that was a problem for most people, and so. Um, there were two amendments that were made. Actually, I guess when it came down to it, there were three amendments that were made to that motion before it passed. The first motion was made by an online person um, to change it to say uh, Church of God's universities rather than seminary and Christian ministries. And so they were saying an undergrad degree in Christian ministries would also be equivalent to that. So that was the first amendment that got passed. The second amendment, that got passed was to completely block off the component of the option to disregard leadership focus. And that passed. Then the third amendment came back and said, okay, well, now we've said that, 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 that track is only available to those who have gotten a seminary degree or a Christian ministry degree from a church of God. But now we've taken the just instant ordination off the track. So let's remove the church of God specificity from the other one. And that one passed. When it was all said and done, the bill passed handily, like 90%. But it took a lot of transformation to get it to something that everybody was good with. Mm-hmm. And and what it came, what came out was something that, that I completely agreed with. And that was, I just didn't want to see, I didn't want to see people just, you know, anointing and, and sending out the door without any process to it and making sure that we're, we're all together. And I think, and I think even that way, going back to our talk with the Justice Equity Task Force, if we're going to put our money in for mouth is and say we believe in women in ministry, that's a key important. You don't want just like, oh, here's this, you know, this exceptional candidate. He comes from a, you know, a Calvinistic background, but you know, he wants to be in the Church of God. He's already been through seminary, so let's go, let's go ahead and bless him and push him through. And it's like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. How do we know what he believes? Because if he believes stuff that's different than what we believe, and I think even when I went through the ordination before leadership focus, if I came, if I was, if I had credentials with a different movement, or if I had a different background, or even sometimes if I said, oh, I went to school here, a lot of times they would say, okay, well, we need to talk about stuff. You know, what do you believe about this? Because they want to make sure that, hey, if you're Church of God, even though you didn't go through the SOT, we want to make sure that you believe some of the key things that the Church of God believes about sanctification, about holiness, about uh, women in ministry. So I think those are kind of some 
big thing. So yeah, I'm, I'm glad yeah. that, you know, and I guess that's the one thing about meetings is that, you know, some people could just be like, Oh, it's another long meeting, but sometimes these things are important and they have yeah. to be discussed. And, and, and like you said earlier, you know, sometimes like, man, if they, people are just going to be contentious and mean and just that spirit of like angst in there, then I'm just not going to even show up and I'll just wave my right to vote. Well, if everybody had that same view, then, you know, that could have passed and who knows how that could have affected our leadership within the church of God. So I think when I hear all this, kind of my summary is that, you know, A, it's important to be a part of these meetings so that you can just make sure saying, Hey, but at the same time, you have to come with kindness and be able to come with a spirit of discernment and also a spirit of being able to uh, I can't think of the word but just to talk about things in a very open kind way and even though like you said even though if you disagree with something you know at the end of the day once everything's voted for we should kind of come along and say okay even though it voted I may not disagree I may not agree with everything but hey I'm going to go ahead and say okay well as a movement we voted for this then that's what we're going to have to do. And, you know, cause we are, you know, we are an organization, we're a denomination, we are a family. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, and the, you know, the other stuff that came along um, were, were great things. You talk about the, the, the jet team. Uh, they, they one of the, like one of the bills, one of the motions was uh, let's, let's have annually in order to lift up our belief in women in ministry, let's have a preach her Sunday where we encourage every church in, in the church of God movement to have a, a female pastor in the pulpit that Sunday. Great. Awesome. Mm. You know, the only conversation that happened around that was, do we actually have enough women pastors to do that? Um, to the response being, well, I, yes, we do. And I hope <laughs> that's a problem, <laughs> you know? Uh, so, so that was a piece of it. The, uh, the other thing was, um, we're people of the Holy Spirit, so let's make sure that our uh, Pentecost Sunday is a big deal. Um, and there was almost <laughs> no conversation around that, except it was like, "Yeah, let's do that. Let's go for sure." Um, and and so one of the one of the cool things, Micah, you you didn't get to be there and hear this, but as a leadership focused coach, I must have heard a dozen times that leadership focus is the single most unifying piece of paper in all of church of God. And it is a miracle that we finally have something. Uh, those words were almost verbatim spoken by Jim Lyon to Jeanette Flynn in one of the, one of the worship services where the church gifted her, uh, uh, some kind of plaque and some money and that kind of stuff. Cause she's retiring and they just wanted to honor her. And, and it was talked about just over and over again throughout the week, how important leadership focus is to the long-term future of the church of God in making sure that we're all one voice. Hmm. Hmm. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. So kind of switching uh, from, from GA, talk about some of the breakout sessions you said you enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um <laughs> Uh, my wife and I kind of split duty on that as well as another pastor here to try to get some of them. Like uh, there was one that was talking about um, new wineskins that was kind of dreaming up new ways to do ministry in your, in your local community and how to partner with that. Uh, There was one that was put out by trellis, which is uh, an organization that's trying to help prepare 
young young people for ministry. And so um, it was talking about how you can partner with with Trellis to become a hosting church. And for like $10,000 a year, uh, you would get an intern that would follow you around for a year, which is seems awfully cheap to me. But they would be getting their degree at the same time from one of our universities. Uh, and that in, that $10,000 also covers their tuition. Um, so there was a little bit of cost to them for the education side, but, but there was that. I also went to um, a credentials meeting that was, uh, was actually really good to kind of help clarify that we are indeed all working towards the same track. Um, there was one on suicide prevention that was, uh, was there for pastors to be able to help people in their community and in their, in their just, again, open up that opportunity for different outreaches. Um, and then several things put on by our missionaries. Uh, kids Place Live was back, um, which was great. So if you did come with young kids, there was an option for them to have something to do while we were in meetings and things like that, too. So those were the ones that I, I can recall off the top of my head. Cool. Yeah, that's I mean, that all sounds great. And and now I guess um, did they make any announcements? I know they always have like their national GA, and then they always have like a regional GA. Did they announce where the regional GAs were going to be next year, or if they were still no, doing they that? didn't. They didn't do that. You choose, usually there is a East Coast, West Coast, and then center of the U.S. one uh, on the regionals, but they have not announced where that's going to be yet. Okay. And they also did not announce where twenty twenty five was going to be. <laughs> probably did it. They probably don't even know that. And that's it. They're they're trying to finalize that stuff. Um, one of the the kind of the last motion that was on the table that we had to talk about was um, uh, convention and conference venues and trying to be sensitive to what's going on. Uh, But most of those contracts, and this, this was the only motion that got voted no. Um, Mm. uh, And the reason for that was, was, uh, you know, we had, we had various people stand up and talk about this, but it was a motion that, that proposed that, the, the GA and the and Church of God Ministries should be hyper aware of the circumstances surrounding the cities that they would choose to hold one in. So we wouldn't have done it 10 years ago in St. Louis in the middle of the riots kind of a thing, you know, or in Portland uh, during COVID with the riots out there or something like that. The But the problem that kept being brought up in that amendment or in that motion was most of this stuff has been being worked on for multiple years and there is a financial cost to church of God ministries to back out on a, a a signed commitment to be at one of those places. In fact, the question got asked if we were to, if we were to cancel Tampa last month, what would that have cost us? Uh, And off the top was 500,000 to cancel the, the venue. Um, the, the, we would have been in a contract. We would have been in breach of the contract. And so where would that money come from? And so it, it turned out to be voted down. The bill was voted down, but it was still just kind of a hard topic. That's, that sounds like a weird motion to, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, because how do you, how do you plan that? How right. do you be hyper aware? And even if something like that happened, like, I don't know, maybe I'm, too much of a renegade but if there is something going on within the city mike is laughing if there's something like that that's like highly controversial that's happening in the city that you're doing a ga and you have a bunch of pastors who are there to 
be leaders, to have worship. And, you know, Jim, even for this one, he kept talking about the movement of the spirit. And I don't know if that's like what he believed, or that's just kind of piggybacking off the Asbury revival and just that whole spirit thing. Um, then maybe being there could help do something with the situation, whether you're in the thick of it or it's just kind of a here's a worship event and the spirit's moving and it's just kind of pouring out to settle the mindset and the hearts of people who may be riding or whatever contentious issue may be so i yeah and i mean that is a huge financial thing just to back out and cancel yeah. something like i mean yeah so i'm, I'm glad that got voted no <laughs> Yeah. Well, and it I was, feel like it was weird. Was a, it was a motion in the first place. Yeah. Well, and I think it got mentioned because uh, just just about a month ago, the NAACP put out a travel advisory warning for any African American going to the state of Florida because of some of the DeSantis stuff that's been been mm -hmm. said and done and things like that. And uh, and there were a couple of people that stood up and said, you know, I actually know people who didn't come because of that. Um, they would have they're 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 attending online, so it's not that they missed, but but that was that was an issue of it. But it, it really in when it came down to it, it came back to the fact that people were like I, the first guy that stood up and talked to that basically said, This whole convention has been about being the light in the darkness. So why would we not go to a place that is very dark uh yeah. in hopes of bringing some light to it? Absolutely. Man. Yeah. So yeah. So I think it's so it almost sound like sound like there's a lot of. I mean, like you said, like there was like ten, like ten motions. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a lot yeah. <laughs> to talk about, which is probably why there's three days and had three GAs to discuss it. You couldn't just do it in one day, I guess. Yeah. That's been a long <laughs> meeting. Gosh, I couldn't even imagine being in a meeting where you had to one day had to go through ten proposals. Ugh. Oh yeah, but, I mean it's seven and a half hours of and I really bowled a little bit over eight hours time frame over the three days of working through this stuff. Wow, yeah. All right, well Trey, thank you so much for sharing your experience and YouTube, Micah, from your online experience. This is great, and you know, and I think this is what goes back to what Jim said, you know, in that church uh cog affirm that hey if you want to see things happen within the movement and if you don't like what's happening and you don't show up to ga then you know don't just stand there and be all like i mean i guess you could complain about it you probably will anyway but <laughs> but you know if you want to see change you, you have to go to these things and i mean so i guess in the way did you feel like the money that you invested into going to ga do you feel like it was worth it from what you were able to get out of going to a general assembly in person I do. I do. And I, you know, to, to kind of address the, the cost on that, I know the purpose in going to every other year was so the churches could save for two years to afford to be able to send their pastor to yeah. an event. But I also know church budgets don't typically work that way. Um, and so, yes, I, I, Micah, to go back to your original question, I blew my entire $2,000 budget um, on conventions to go this year and spent more out of my own pocket and out of my different budget areas. But um, I do feel like the connection, um, you know, I don't know how much time we got, but, you know, I was able to connect with some old friends uh, that are in missions. Uh, friends of mine, Dan and Christy Kim, that I went to mm -hmm. seminary with are in Budapest, Hungary, which is on the, which is two, they live two hours away from the Ukraine border. Uh, since this, since the Russian invasion began, they have had 
pastors and pastors' families in their home. And they live with a, um, a, a travel canopy on top of their minivan that already has clothes in it, and they don't let their van get below a half tank of gas ever. Because if something happens, they have to leave immediately. I also uh, had a chance to reconnect with some missionaries that are down in Haiti, um, the Mark and Kathy Fulton, and they are just amazing, amazing people. But their last trip into Haiti, which is under severe uh, political unrest right now, the, the, the plane they left from off of a grass strip in the middle of the night was being shot at as they left the ground. Jeez. So to be able to understand and to connect and to, to be around people from all over the world whose, whose religious Christian experience is so vastly different from ours, uh, I, think, I think there's an immeasurable gain to the financial cost of being there. Um, and so to be able to sit and visit and, and to hear the stories and to connect and, and to just to learn how to pray better and better for our, our friends and partners in ministry um, is worth it. You know, we had a chance also to sit down with the missionaries that we support in Bolivia, uh, Paul and Katia Jones, and, um, and to begin to brainstorm about what it would look like for my church to take their first ever overseas mission trip and go see them and, and help them and pour into them. And so those connections, um, I think, I think it was worth spending my budget to go to. I think, Good. and I'm glad that that you had that experience. And for me, I'm not, I wasn't trying to be negative or anything when no, I asked no. that earlier. Um, but for me, I think, and, and Scott and I, when we recorded a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about like, what if you're a bivocational pastor that's pastoring a church of 40 people and you're working, you know, two and three jobs to put, put food on the table for your, your wife and kids. Um, you know, what if you're working full-time elsewhere and, and super part-time, like stipend part-time at a church and, you know, you have, you're married yeah. and have kids or, or you can't, you literally just can't make it. I, I thought that the, the online option was a good option to, to have. Um, it's just, it's just a lot of money. And I, yeah. and, and you don't get the same by being at home. You just don't. Right. And I agree with that. So, yeah. Scott, you got anything else for him? No, I think that's great. I think that gave us kind of a good summary of General Assembly. And uh, yeah, excited to see whenever they release the regional stuff, because I've only been to a regional one, so I haven't been to a national GA. So I'd be excited to see where they have them and if I'm able to go next year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably put it right, right in the middle of July. I'm like, oh man, I'm going on this mission strip and on that mission strip. I can't go. Like, But that's life, so... Again, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. And again, Troy, uh, Trey, oh my gosh, Trey, that's your name. He's never <laughs> coming so back. Nah, He's never going to go back. You called me by the wrong name, darn it. I've been called way I make worse. a motion. My name is not Troy. It's Trey. <laughs> <laughs> but Trey, thank you so much for being on the show again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Great to be here, man. Thanks for having me. It's always fun. All right. And guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. And we'll be back on next time with another episode. Take care.